Only the chemists in the room. Good evening. Hope you're all doing well. We have a lot of ground to cover tonight. Some of these uh, big amudim. And we're going to be learning. Uh, we're starting at the bottom of Nun Beis and Aleph at the two dots. We're about 15 lines or so from the bottom at Nish Beis Chai Liftosa. We'll be learning today about two-thirds of the way down on Nun Gimel Amid Beis. Um, and we're going to have to, to move quickly quite a bit of material here. The Gemara says, Nishbeis that if a man's wife gets captured, he has an obligation to redeem her. Tanu Rabbon and the rabbis teach us in a brisa. If she was captured in the in the lifetime of the husband, and after she was captured, he died. So, if he if he knew about the fact that she was uh, captured in his lifetime, then the obligation, his heker, his his knowledge of her having been captured is enough of a reason to pass on that obligation to the Yorshin, and then they are chayav and liftosa, even if she was captured during his lifetime, but he didn't know about it, and then he died, then the, the halacha does not pass on to the Yorshin. And Levi thought this was the din. Levi So he wanted to paskin like this Mishnah, and when he was about to do so, Amar le Rav, Rav said, my beloved one, Rashi says that this is talking about his uncle, Rav Chiyah. The halacha is not like this Mishnah, that it depends on the das of, of the, the husband during his lifetime. Ella Kihadetanya. What does the next price say? Seven, eight lines from the bottom. If a woman was captured after her husband's death, then there is no need for the, uh, for the uh, orphans to redeem his wife. Again, we're talking about a stepmother, not an actual mother, obviously. It says the Gemara, not only that, even if it were to have been that he knew about it, or I should say that she that she was captured while he was alive, and what is the rationale for this? Because because I cannot say about her because she's never going to be brought back to the husband because the husband died. And because they can't be brought back into the marriage, so the t'nai of the ksuba, of redeeming her, as we learned about the other day, that t'nai falls apart. And therefore, there's no obligation to redeem the stepmother because um, there's no husband to bring her home to. Again, it sounds very cold. <laughs> That's a, uh, it's, you know, like they say, like there's a kal to litvak, you know? So like the Gemara is not friendly about it. but. A little colder than a college, but that's what the Gemara says: is that there's no obligation to save the stepmother. Depends who the step okay. Let's go. So then the Gemara says three lines from the bottom: Tanu Rabban and Nishbeis Mimena Let's say that a woman was captured, and then all of a sudden there's a ransom demand. You get the the voice uh, change on the phone, and it's giving you this uh, electronic voice that's saying we want ten times the cost of your wife. And of course, we would do this math based on how much this wife would have been worth as a shifcha, and then we multiply by 10. That was their demand. She's worth 500 zoos. I want 5,000 zoos. So what's the din? If the first time she's captured this way, so then you have to pay. You have to pay whatever the demand is, even 10 times more. Then it's up to him. Then it's up to him. What's the reason for this? Because you don't negotiate with terrorists. Once they see that there is a, this benefit of uh, uh, oh, every time they steal a Yiddish medal, then they get to get as much money as they want. So Ligamar says that's not acceptable. And Rav Shimon ben Gamliel argues on this. Rav Shimon ben Gamliel Omer, turning to the top of We don't even give more than their actual value. Forget the 10 times. Even the 10 times we don't have to do. The Allah says it's Mibnei Tikkun Olam. 
Rashi, So people don't make a habit out of doing this. What's implied from this sheet of Rav Shimon? And Rav Shimon ben Gamliel. So Rashbag says, uh, the implication of the Rashbag on Nun Beis and Beis second line is Habichdeid Mehen Poden and Afal Gav Bigdoni Yoser Al Ksubasa. That yes, we are obligated to pay, even if it's 200 zuz, that's how much they want, and that's how much our ksuba is worth. So the halacha is that even if it's going to be the same as, the, even if it's going to be more than her ksuba, whatever it is, the halacha is that we have to redeem her. The problem is that Rashbag elsewhere said something different. Uruminhi, there's another brisa. That if a woman was captured and the ransom note says we want 10 times her value, the first time you're obligated to redeem her no matter what. And any other subsequent time when she's captured and they make the same demand, it's optional if you choose to redeem her. And now, Reb Shimon Ben Gamliel in a very similar bryson. Now, what does he say here? Rashbag Omer. It's based on the ksuba amount, not based on the pidyon amount. So let's say they say that her ksuba is 200 dues. They want 500 dues. It seems in the previous price that they'd have to pay, but in this price, because it's more than a ksuba, she's not obligated. So which Rashbag is considered correct? Says the Gemara Rashbag. He's got a double leniency. They have to both. Uh, be an amount of money that is either, it has to be an amount of money that is worth her value, and it has to be equal or lesser than the cost of the ksuba. Anything that breaks either of those two rules, the halacha is according to Rashbag, Rashbag, you don't have to redeem even your own wife, even with the tonight ksuba, then that would not be an obligation. The Gemara says 10, 12 lines down in Beis and Beis at the two uh, das, the Gemara speaks about that if a woman becomes ill, the husband is obligated to pay for her medical bills. Gemara says, Tanu Rabbanu. The rabbis teach us in a brisa. Almana, if there's an almana, a widow, nizonis, minichse is somen. Vitzricha, refua, harehi, kimizonos. So she gets fed from the nichse is somen, and a person who needs refua, harehi, kimizonos, that's considered to be like food. It's like regular sustenance, just like you'd give them, give uh, your wife bread, water, meat, whatever the case is. She also needs penicillin and tamiflu and whatever else she needs. You got to feed her, you got to take care of her. Rashbag Omer. If the refua has a fixed amount, nisrapes miksubasa, that if it's a fixed amount, then we deduct the cost of what we owe her from her ksuba. Your ksuba used to be 200 zoos, but in order for you to get your daily regimen of antibiotics, of beta blockers, whatever you're normally taking, because it's katsu, because it's a fixed amount, so we don't take that out of the arusha, we take that out of the ksuba. However, she'en la if there's a medical treatment that doesn't have a fixed price, we don't know how much it is. Let's say it depends how complex the procedure is, about whatever, it depends on the treatment. So then, then, then the halacha is that it's like mizonos, and that comes even from the yorshim, even from the estate, and not necessarily from the ksuba. When it comes to Eretz Yisrael, they, they took Hakazas Dam, they took Hakazas Dam in Eretz Yisrael to be like Rafu She'en La Kitzva. And a Rafu She'en La Kitzva means that the money was not deducted from the Ksuba, but rather was deducted from the estate. So if a man, Ruvain, is married to Rachel, and Rachel has Hakazas Dam, so Hakazas Dam is considered to not be a, a price that's Kasu. And the Gemara tests Rav Yochanan. Krive de Rav Yochanan, there were some relatives of Rav Yochanan Habu. Uh, there was a stepmother. Somebody had a stepmother in the family. She uh, either was a hypochondriac or had medical issues. She's constantly getting medical care. They came to Rav Yochanan. The Gemara doesn't even articulate the question, but really the question is, where are we supposed to pay her from? 
do we deduct these um, proceedings, do we deduct these medical proceedings from her ksuba, or are we obligated to deduct it from the estate? So what does Rabbi Yochanan say? First long line, third of the way down, Mubez, Mubez, Amar Luhu, Izilu, Kutsu, Midi, Lerofe. He says, I know she needs medical care every day. So what you should do is go to the doctor and negotiate a price. And if you go to the doctor and you negotiate a price, now the price is katsuf. And now that the price is katsuf, it's no longer deducted from the estate. Now it's deducted it's from her ksuba. Lump sum. It doesn't say it's lump sum. It just says to be a fixed price for the treatment. So let's say she needs 365 days of treatment. Every day is $10. So as long as it's katsuf, it's not how you pay. It's that the amount that you need to pay is katsuf. We're only talking about the amount, not the methods of payment. So here the Gemara says, Rav Yochanan came up with a chap. Yeah, we don't normally have Akaza's dam. Akaza's dam typically doesn't, we said that's Eino Katsu. So if she needs Akaza's dam every day. So then Rav Yochanan comes up with this little shtick. Just go talk to the doctor and negotiate with him. We do this all the time in business. Look, we've been working together so long. Let's either put you on a W-2 or come up with something reasonable so that I'm not overpaying. So fine. Right after this happened, Rav Yochanan felt a little bit of contrition. Amar Rav Yochanan, asinu atzmenu ke'orche hadayonim. We made ourselves like the lawyers. And here, this is a reference to a Mishnah in Pirkei Avos, where we should not make ourselves like Orche Adayan. So it says the Gemara, what was the good news and what was the bad news? So, I can't turn away from my family. I need to be able to support them. And they're, they're eating away from the estate. And we want to make sure that the money comes out of the Ksuba instead of from the estate. So I came up with this Chap. However, what was the flip side? Says about himself, I'm, a, I'm that guy. I'm a, I'm a, a Dayan. People are allowed to say they're Adam Chashub. It's not Gaiva to say you're an Adam Chashub when you're a Dayan, when you're a Posik, when you're a Rav. It's not, uh, that's, you're, a, you're an Adam Chashub. That's correct. You actually, you actually seem to say that like, they agree on a price and that's going to be the refuah forever. Meaning, it's, yeah. it's a fixed price. It's a, it's a fixed price. It's a fixed price. Correct. <laughs> I'll take care of her at this rate. For, so it seems from the Gemara not that way. It seems from the Gemara that it's not a lump sum, but that it's just a fixed price. This Mishnah is very rare. We're halfway down Nun Bezim and There's a lot of Aramaic in this Mishnah, a bit of a complex Mishnah. And what the Mishnah is going to do is, is going to discuss a number of cases, clauses that the husband may have left out of the Ksuba. And if he left them out of the ksuba, what would the halachic implications be? Like we learned yesterday, there are some things that are tanai bezdin. And if something's a tanai bezdin, even if you're sloppy in your writing and you left something out, it doesn't really matter. You forget to write a ksuba altogether. What did we say? Machlokas. But we said, Lemaisa, that it's going to be the case that a basula will still get 200 zoos if they divorce and an almana will still get 100. <coughs> so we're about to learn right now about what's called ksubas benin dichrin. Subas bin Indichrin was a, was a clause that was added to a ksuba because of the following reason. Let's say that a, a man wanted, wanted to marry a woman, and the man had two wives. So he's got Hannah uh, and Penina. So Penina's marrying in as the second wife. But Penina's father really is not ready to dump a huge dowry here because what happens if his daughter Penina dies? Well, then the huge apartment in Yerushalayim that he gave to his daughter now falls to the husband only. That's normally what happens when a woman dies, is that 
Everything that she has goes to her husband. So Penina's father is very hesitant to put down a big dowry. So that's what the Gemara did here, is it created what's called a Ksubas Benindichrin, that if in fact Penina has sons, then the money that Penina's father puts into the dowry, if Penina dies, goes to the son and not to her husband. That's the Ksubas Benindichrin. So says the Gemara, Lo kosabla Benindichrin, the Yehavu Lechiminai, Let's say that he didn't put the clause in that reads as follows. The boys that you will have from me. That your boys, Panina, your boys will be able to get uh, the money that your father brings into the marriage more than my other sons from another wife. And let's say he forgets about that. It doesn't matter because we are always going to assume that that which Penina brought into the marriage in the form of a dowry will go to her children in the event that uh, she dies. So that means if Penina and the husband and Ruvain have children and and Chana and Ruvain have children. So then this money will not fall to the general uh, pot and divide by all the children. It'll specifically go to the children of Penina. What about the next thing that might well have been omitted? The Gemara says halfway down, three lines in, <coughs> into this Mishnah, Nun Beis, Nun Beis, Binan Nukvin, if you have daughters, that you have from me, they can stay in my house, meaning if the, if Penina dies and she has daughters, so Penina's daughters can stay in, stay in the house of Ruvain, they can uh, they can be sustained from my nechasim until they've been taken by a man. So let's say that this clause was not put into a ksuba. The husband forgot to write it into the ksuba. Do we then say because he forgot to do it, therefore he's not obligated? to take care of the daughters of Penina after his wife Penina dies, says the Gemara, no, it's still not the case. Rather, Chayev will say that he is obligated to take care of them. Good, that's the second clause. Here's the third clause. What if he forgot to say the following? You, Ruvain says to Penina, in the case that Ruvain dies, her husband dies, you can stay in my house, and you can be fed from my property, from my estate, for as long as you are an almana bebesi, no problem. What if he forgot to put that in and then Ruvain dies and she's an almana? Is she allowed to then benefit from the properties of her husband from the estate? Says the Gemara, even if he forgets to put it into the ksuba, doesn't matter. Chayev, shoot bezdin. And in fact, these two locales of Yerushalayim and the Galil, they used to write all of these clauses. We don't have them now. We don't have these clauses in our Ksuba. They are Tanoi Bezdin, but we don't have them in our, in our Ksuba. And in regards to the, to the locale of Yehuda, they write, used to write a little bit different about the Almana. They used to say, you can stay in my house until the Yorshin give you your 200 zoos or your 100 zoos, whatever the case may be. Therefore, if they want, they can exempt themselves, give up the 200 zoos, $10,000, whatever it is. And then you no longer have to feed her, but you have to do one or the other. So Yerushalayim and the Galil had one language and the, the locale of Yehuda had yet another. Amar of Yochanan Mishum Reb Shimon ben Yochai and this line will become important on the top of Nun Gimel Amad Aleph, these names of Reb Yochanan in the name of Reb Shem Ben Yochai. Why is it that the Chachamim instituted a clause to be added, an addendum to be added to a Ksuba? Because, 
The concern was that Panina's father would not want to write a big dowry for her because she's afraid that he's afraid that if his daughter Panina dies and he says, I'm giving you my multi-million shekel apartment in Yerushalayim and then his daughter dies, that his father and all of his descendants have lost all of the rights to this apartment because when Panina dies, her properties default to Reuven, to her husband. And he wasn't willing to do that. So they made it so that in the event that Panina has kids, has boys, that at least if she were to die, then the Yerushalayim apartment would not fall to the general class of kids that Reuven has but only to the kids that Penina and Ruben had. So therefore, it stays in the family. Says the Gemara, how can you have such a such an idea? Really, where should the money have gone? It should have gone to the to the general pot for all of the Yorshi. Could there be a case scenario where the Torah says that the son inherits and the daughter doesn't? And you're going to have a case scenario where the money goes through to Perino? That's just not the way things work. That's not the way the Torah is structured. It's not the way the Torah is, uh, articulates the halachos of inheritance. So how can we have an addendum, an added clause to our ksuba that seems to go in the face of the general principles of Yerusha? We typically assume that Yerusha goes through the sun. Here we have this loophole that in the event that Penina dies, so great, but the money still goes to Penina's family. So says the Gemara, that's not right. It's not correct. Really, we have to take care of Panina as well. Hanami Del Raisa. It's also Del Raisa to take care of her. Two thirds of the way down, maybe a little bit more. Nun Bez, Ahmed Bez, a little bit more than halfway through the thick lines. Dechsib. How do we know there's a Din Del Raisa to take care of the women? Says the Gemara Kichunashim. Men should marry women, and they should have children. You should take sons for your nashim. You should take women for your sons. And you should be willing to give your daughters in marriage to other men. So says the Gemara, I understand that there can be an upper hand from the men's side of things, because it's usually the men, the father's side, the, the groom's side that really does the negotiating. That makes sense. But when it comes to the ladies, we live in a little bit more of a progressive culture where women may, uh, may, may chase the resume. But it wasn't like that back in the day. The men really had the upper hand is still uh, in some ways still true nowadays, but whatever the case may be. So says the Gemara, what do we learn from here? We need to dress them, we need to cover them. We have to take care of them in order to set them up so that people will marry them. Bad Kama asks the Gemara, how much of a dowry is a father supposed to give? What's considered a normative amount? Wow. 10%. Now, when you're poor, no big deal. <laughs> but when you're very, very wealthy, 10% uh, of a dowry is uh, is a lot. But it says odd. You don't have to give that amount. You can give less, and it can be negotiated, and et cetera, et cetera. But it's a lot of cash. I'm just saying it's a lot of money. If you're a billionaire, then you're talking some serious cash. Yeah, but, Trust me, the billionaires are not, <laughs> they're, not they're not giving a hundred million dollars. I'm just saying it's uh, you guys. I, you're, I, I said the same thing you did. It's odd. It's up to, and it doesn't have to be that much, and it has to be done. But yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Well, we're going to see a story right now about people being guilted into giving uh, all of their wealth. So let's just wait one moment. Says the Gemara, if in fact we're dealing with the Ksubas bin Indichrin, this clause that's been added to ensure. 
that uh, that Panina's father will donate uh, to the cause. That if it's going to be the fact that her father is going to be involved and she'll get that Yerusha, then maybe the Baal Liros, then she shouldn't get her Ksuba. Pick one. So says the Gemara, that doesn't work either because in Cain, Av Nami the father would then also water down his Ksubas and he'll water down the dowry because he'll know that the husband's going to go short on the on the Ksuba. So that's all, that, that's a catch 22. So we need everyone to stay in place. Then the Gemara says, Maybe only when the father writes a ksuvas benin dichrin, that's when the father should include it in his ksuba. But if the father is not going to be giving a dowry, then maybe lo lichto bal, maybe the husband should then not include this clause. Says the Gemara, we can't do that. Lo plug rabbonah. Every ksuba has to have in it a ksuvas benin dichrin. Fine. Says the Gemara, Bas bein habonim. What if there's a daughter among sons, Nami Terus? Maybe the girls should also inherit. Namely, if we have a ksuvas benin different, that Panina's father will now give a nicer dowry so that when Panina, in fact, uh, dies, that the money goes to her son, can it also go to Panina's daughters? Says the Gemara, no. The principle of ksuvas benin different was kenachala shivua rabonim. It follows the basic principles of nachla, of inheritance, and it goes to boys and not to girls. What about Bas Bein Habanos Terus? What if Penina only has girls? Remember the name of this clause is Ksuvas Bein Dichrin, where it's only about boys. So this clause that allows for Penina's father to give a bigger dowry so that if Penina dies, that the money can stay in the family. So maybe, it can, what if she only has five girls, 10 girls? It's like the Benos Tzlavchad, right? So what about if they're only girls? It says the Gemara, Loplug Rabbanon, doesn't matter. We're not allowing the, the Ksuvas Bein Dichrin to go to Penina's daughters. It can only go to Penina's sons. Let's say, in regards to the Ksubas Ben maybe we can say that one is allowed to collect even from Metaltalin because it's not really a regular Ksuba. It's a, it's a clause within a Ksuba, says the Gemara. No, and that, as we learned in the previous plot, is only from Karka, only from things that have a Chrayas on them, but not from Metaltalin. Maybe we'd be able to collect the monies of the Ksubas Ben from properties that were sold, says the Gemara Yartun Tanan, it's only talking about a Yerusha, and a Yerusha cannot be collected from sold properties. Every one of these lines is a, a day of learning. I'm just saying, like, there's a lot here. There's a lot packed here. These are, it's a hard Gemara, but we're learning it on the top level. But uh, there's a lot here. So if you're looking for a, a meaty Gemara, this would be one. So it says the Gemara, maybe we should say, What does this mean? So the rule is that when we have the ksuvas benin dichrin, we only add this clause when the amount of money left over after paying out a ksuba still keeps over a dinar. However, if the balance of money from the family is less than a dinar, ksuvas benin dichrin is dissolved. It's just like a safety clause. There's such a small amount of money, we're not going to be going any further. Says the Gemara, we can't do that. But can't be that way because then you're already messing with the dispersions, not the dispersions, the um, the disbursements. Thank you. The disbursements of the actual ksuba itself. We're talking about actual nachala at this point. We are not allowed to mess with that, and therefore lo takinu rabbanu. And now the Gemara tells us a story about a ksuvas benin dechren. Rapapa yasek le lebre be'abasura. Rapapa and, uh, and Rapapa's son got engaged to the daughter of Abasura. They were actually related to one another distantly. Azil le nechtav la ksuvasa. So they went, they were... It was, it was, 
So I think Rashi here discusses that. Rashi says, Rashi says, Be Abba Surah. What? What's on Lamites? Yeah. So that if you look at Rashi, Be Abba Surah, Cham of Haya. That's his father-in-law. The Hisi Rav Papa Libno Achos Ishto. So Rav Papa, he the uh, what is it? Achos Ishto. Yeah, his son. His sister-in-law. Very good. So, anyways, they're going to write the Ksuba. And then Shama Yehuda Bar Meremar. Yehuda Bar Meremar heard what was going on and he was excited for Rav Papa. Nafak Asa, he went out to see what was going on. And he saw Rav Papa. And they walked together, they were talking and learning. When they got to the house of Besura, uh, of Abasura, Abasura, so then Havakam Niftar Minem. Rav Yehuda, Rashi says, Rashi says, Yehuda Natal Rishus Mir Papa Lachsor La'achora. Rashi says he requested Rishus or took Rishus, took permission from him to kind of not go inside. Says the Gemara, Chazia de lo hava nichale, top of nun gim lamanal. He saw that, it, that uh, Yehuda was uncomfortable. Rav Papa saw Yehuda was uncomfortable. Omar le, Rav Papa says to him, My daitech, what are you concerned about? Is it Mishum to Omar le Shmuel the Rav Yehuda? Shmuel said to Rav Yehuda, Shinna sharp one, lo te havi beavuri achsanta, don't be at these crossroads of, of the transfer of Aksuba. Afilu mi brabisha le brotaba, even if you're going from a quote unquote bad child to a good child, lo yodana, maizara nafik mine, we have no idea which child is going to be great and which child is not. Because can be brata. So says the Gemara, if that's your concern, all of this is considered to be what Rav Yochanan said in the name of Rav Shimon Bar Yochai. That was the opening words of the Gemara on the bottom of Nun Beis and Amud Beis, which is code word for Ksuvas bin Indichrin. So therefore, if we have this idea of Ksuvas bin Indichrin, so then why was Yehuda uncomfortable to go in as Rav Papa was going to negotiate with Abba Surah. So says the Gemara, Omar Lay, Yehuda says back to Rav Papa, Hani Mili Midaite. That's true that we have a Ksuvas bin when everyone is on the same page. I agree with you. But the Asuye Nami, is it also true when you force someone? This language of Asuye is stolen from another area in Shas. We have this principle called uh, a get Musa. Again, Musa is a get that's forced. Here also, this language of Asiya is a language of forcing. So Yehuda Bar-Muremar was concerned that Rav Papa was planning on forcing Abba Surah to, to have this Ksubas bin indifferent. Omar Lay, atumi ka'amina lach, de'ol ve'asiya. You think I'm going to go in there, uh, be a bull in a china shop? Absolutely not. I'm not going to force anyone to do anything. Ol ve'lote asiya ka'amina. I'm not going to force them. Omar Lay, uh, if I go in there, says Yehuda, I'm a, he knew, he knew, he knew, he understood his standing in the community. He knew if he walked in there that it was going to be a pressure on these people to write something. But anyways, Papa forced him, and Yehuda also ended up going into the room. He sat quietly, he didn't say boo. He sat there in the corner in the recliner, he grabbed the Gemara off the shelf and didn't say a word. Savar, the Balabai is, Abba Surah was sitting there watching Yehuda not speak. And Savar, he thought, Hahu mirtach ratach, that he was upset because they were talking about how much money to put into the Ksuba, and the Ksuba has been in Dichrin. And he thought, so fine, he was nervous. So, Kosve le, le kol mai de <laughs> 
down to every last blessed penny. The man uh, wrote away his whole entire future for his daughter because he was afraid that Miramar, that Yehuda bar Miramar, was upset at him that he wasn't giving him up. Lesov, after he finally wrote, he said out loud, okay, I'll give over all of my money in, in earshot just to make sure that Yehuda bar Miramar could hear. Lesov, Amar lay, come on, Yehuda, hashta nami lo you're still not speaking to me. Because he misread the circumstance. He thought Yehuda bar Miramar was sitting there silent and that was the cold shoulder for him not giving enough money in the, in the ksuba. So he says, lo How can you be upset at me? I haven't left over anything, Yehuda. I, I've given everything my, I wanted to. So Amar le Yehuda finally closes the Gemara and he looks up and he says, If you would have consulted me, I'm uncomfortable with the amount of money you're giving in the first place. I wasn't quiet because of that. I was just quiet because I didn't want to be involved. I didn't want to be here in the first place or a papa forced me. <clears throat> Omar Lay, so the Balabais, he sees a window of opportunity to get some of his money back. Smart guy. He says, well, hashtanami, hadari. Well, if what you're saying is that I gave a little bit too much, do you think I should scale back a little bit? So there Yehuda bar was not ready to go so far. I'm not telling you you should go back. Keep it as it is. You've done more than your, than your fair share. So Ksuvas Benendichron was a real thing. This was something that was negotiated in, in fair territory. It was primarily the, the case with multiple wives, but it was even technically true, even if there was only one wife. But if the wife were to have died, and then the father's dowry would never to be seen again in his family's line because he gave it away. Okay. Let's talk about this a little bit more. Let's say that a woman, she's pressed for cash, and she says, I know that you would owe me 200 zoos. This my Suba document is like a lien document because you owe me 200 zoos, but I need 100 zoos right now. I'm willing to sell you my Suba for 100 zoos. So let's say she sells her Suba. Says the Gemara, what then happens with the Suba has been indifferent? The regular ksuba is 200 zoos. Do we say, yes, la ksuba tichren, oh, ain't la ksuba Yes or no? So it says the Gemara, almost halfway down, why are you asking about a case where she sells it? You should be asking about a case where she was just mochel for no money. Says the Gemara, that's ridiculous. The, the reason why we're asking about a case of mocheres is because she may have felt pressured. She didn't have a choice. She has she had people who were knocking on the door. You got to pay your credit cards today, and if you don't, we're taking your uh, we're taking your car. We're taking your house. Says the Gemara. Then maybe she was forced because of monetary pressures. She can say, I've been hit a hundred times with this special kind of whip. So if, the, if we're asking the question there where she was forced to sell her ksuba, so then you think if she gives away her ksuba, she's still going to have the ksuba has been indifferent. So Rava is really the only one talking here, but he framed a little Q&A for himself and he answers as follows. So my Rava, Pshitali. It's obvious to me that that if, in fact, a woman does sell her ksuba to another person, then she also still does have the, quali- the, the, the clause of ksuvas benindichrin. My time. Because Zuzayan Sua, the reason why is because we assume that the reason why she sold her, her, uh, the, her ksuba, her rights to the ksuba, was because she didn't have a choice. She needed the cash. What about Mocheles? What if a woman says, I'm fine, just hey, I don't, I'm fine with the ksuba. I don't, I don't care for the money. In that case, ksuba salabayla, she, if she's Mocheles, ksuba salabayla, so then the Gemara says, Rava assumes, ain't la ksuba's been indifferent. My time, because she's, un, she's undercut everything. She's done. She nullified 
She profaned her whole entire star. The whole thing is done for. So that's Rava's distinction, is that if in fact a woman is mocheres, she feels compelled to sell her ksuba because she needs fast cash right now. I'll sell you for seven pennies on the dollar, 70 cents on the dollar. Fine. So then in those cases, then she still gets the ksuba has been indifferent. She still captures that clause. Masha'en kein, if, uh, if she's mocheles, so mocheles is different. Mocheles is literally just saying, I don't care about my ksuba anymore. There, in addition to the ksuba being batel, she also loses the ksuba has been indifferent. Two-thirds of the way down, boy rabba, mocheres ksuba salabayla. When she, in fact, does buy her ksuba at 70 cents on the dollar, is it kemocheres la'acherim dummy? Is it like she sold it to others, in which case she would still have some rights? Or is that like giving it over to her husband, in which case she may not have rights? She answered the, he answered the question on his own, another Rava talking to Rava scenario. That when one is mocheres or ksuba to, to her husband, it's as if she sold it to somebody else. Let me just look up a quick Rashi here. Mocheres yeah, we're talking here about tovasano, about any other benefits of things that were in the ksuba. Okay, says the Gemara, this is not so simple. We're eight lines before the wide lines. Masiv Ravidi Barabin, hold on one second. We learned the Gemara in Maseches Yevamos. There we had said that Mesa, if a woman died, nobody gets her ksuba, but that was a very strange language because we had already spoken about ksuba earlier in that uh, Mishnah over there in Masechah Sivamos. Why does it speak about a ksuba twice? So over there we answered, we said that nobody gets the ksuba Yet over here we said that if she's mocheres the, the ksuba to someone, then it's as though she was mocheres it to somebody else, and then she still has the rights to the ksubas, but in different, the tovas hano. So it says the Gemara, that doesn't make sense because the Gemara in Yavamos says the ksubas but in different was one of the things she doesn't get. Over there in that case, that that case and what was going on over there in Maseches Yavamos, maybe we should say that there's a Yetzer, just like we said over here, that there's Zuze on Suha. Maybe we should say the cases are similar. Says the Gemara, no, but you can't compare the case that was going on over there in Yavamos with our case over here. Yosif Ravin Bar Chanina, Kameid Rav Chizda. He was sitting in front of Rav uh, Chizda. Yosif Kamar Mishmed Rav Lazar, and they were talking and learning about uh, the following. Mochelas Ksubasa Labayla. Now we're talking about Mochelas. A woman just says, I have no interest in the Ksuba from you at all. So then, in addition to losing her Ksuba, she also has no more food from her husband's uh, estate. She's done. Once she's mocheles ksuba, she is done for. Omar Le, he says to him, wow, that's really shocking. If I didn't hear from you that this came from someone great, I would have thought, that's not the right way to behave. You really should continue feeding her, but you said it in the name of someone great. Ravami was sitting there too. A man shows up and he says, Nebuch, his fiance had died. What did they respond? I'm so sorry to hear that. They said to him, Zil Kavar, you should need to go bury her. Oh, or Havlak Suvasa, or you have to pay her Yorshim for the Ksuba, one of the two. She's in Arusa. Remember, she's in Arusa. It's a little bit strange. The Gemara says, Hold on one second, Tanina. Ishto Arusa. We learned this in Maseches Yivamos as well, I believe. Yeah. Ishto Arusa. If a man's wife 
was only halachically betrothed, lo onain velo mitmala. You're not an onain, and if you're a kohen, you cannot become tummy for her. V'chein he and she as well. If he dies, lo onenes velo mitamalo. Mesa inu yorsha, mesu gobak subasa. And says the Gemara, time of the mesu. The reason why is because he died. So it's implied from here that there should be no ksuba. So why is it that when this man walked into the base medrash, walked into Bezdin and said, he said that his fiance has died, that they said you have to either bury her or give a ksuba. That's not true. We had said in Maseches Yuvamos that she doesn't have to pay ksuba. My time Because we can't fulfill in, in this particular case that we are going to give you what was left because she died. So therefore, the case uh, seems to be as the Gemara had presented that we have, uh, it's not so pushed over here that my time uh, is because we weren't able to apply that when they get married, that she can take whatever belongs to him. And this also seems to be the case of Ein Laksuba. He says, you're a little late to the party. Go back and say to them, as we turn to the top of go take your good uh, Torah and go throw it on the thorns. You're late to the party. Somebody already had that Kiddush. Thank you very much. After all, we already learned about this in Bavel, that a woman who is an Arusa who dies, no Ksuba. We had said in our Mishnah, one of the clauses that could have been added to a, uh, to a Ksuba, but was not, was <laughs> that a man would say that any of your daughters, he would say to Benina, if you have any daughters, I'll feed them until they get married. So the Gemara wants to know, what does it mean? How long do we have to hold on to these girls? How long is he on the hook to feed the daughters? Says, if you're a man, she'll feed them forever. But what's the halachic minimum? Says the Gemara. I should say, what's the halachic maximum, not the halachic minimum? Says the Gemara, Rav, Tani, Ad, Tilkechan, Laguvrin, till they get married. Belevi, Tani, Ad, the Tibgeron, until they become a Bogaris, until they become of age. Does that mean do they not hold of each other's shitas? That doesn't really make a lot of sense because uh, you could have scenarios where a woman is a bogaris and not married. You could have a scenario where a woman is married and not a bogaris. So how can they mutually be mutually exclusive? Says the Gemara, you're absolutely right. Ella, five lines down on Nun Gimelamid Bays, we're going to be learning until two-thirds of the way down. Bogar below insiv. If a woman became physically mature in age, below insiv, and she was not married. Or Insiv below Bagar, or she got married and she still was not a Bogaris to Kuleyan below Pligi, that in that case, they're no longer obligated to, to feed her. In that case, the daughters of Penina no longer get the rights of the, of the estate. Ki Pligi be Arusa below Bagar. What happens if you have a girl who's an Arusa and she's 10? Is that girl subject to the requirements to feed her? That's the machlokas between Rav and Levi. V'chein Tani Levi b'masnise, Levi actually articulates this, Says the Gemara Tarte, do we need both of these features? No. That they have to have one or the other. And Kitanoi, this actually reflects a different machlokas in the Tanoi. What is this different machlokas? A quarter of the way down on Gimlam Abbas, the Gemara says, Ad habas nizonis, how long does a daughter get fed for? Until she gets halachically betrothed. Says the Gemara, Mishum Rebelazar Amru Ajatibagir. Here it says not only Arusin, but even Tibagir, uh, that they have to be a little bit older, so they get fed, presumably, even a little bit longer. Tuni Rebyosef Adi Yahavyan, until they reach Havaya, 
That's a problem because Havaya is used in multiple ways. Says the Gemara, Havaya de Erisino, Havaya de Nisuin. What are we talking about? Halachic betrothal or halachic marriage? Says the Gemara, take We don't know the answer to that question. One more little sugya. Amar le Rav Chizal le Rav Yosef, Mishlielach mi Shmielach minei de Rav Yehuda. Arusa yesh lamezonos o ein lamezonos. Does an arusa part of the obligations of a husband to feed her? Yes or no? So we'll see two different iterations of this Gemara. Here's version number one. Says the Gemara, Amar le mash malosh loshmieli. I did not hear anything explicit. Elamistabra leislei. But it seems to me that it is not his formal obligation to to feed an arusa. Kevan de Irsa, once the man actually gets engaged to her, Lonichale de Tesizil, he doesn't want her to be, he doesn't want her to be such a bizayon. So of course he'll instinctively say, I married this pretty girl. I want her to, to stay full. I want her to stay satiated. I want her to be able to buy whatever she wants. I'll give her access to the credit card. And that was just by his own volition. Omar Lay, he says, well, hold on one second. If you really didn't hear anything at all, then maybe Maybe we should assume that there is an obligation that he should support his Arusa with food. Since that marriage is not a done deal yet, until uh, the fathers uh, work out all the finances, until all the details are worked out, Lavdafka that everyone who's in Arusa, we know from broken engagements, Lavdafka that everyone who's in Arusa becomes an Asua. So says the Gemara, Kevan de lo kimle begava, because he's not 100% sure that they're going to get married, he's not going to throw away money. So if we see that there's a husband, who uh, a fiancé, betrothed man, who is uh, feeding his betrothed wife, his fiance? we should fairly assume that he has a strong halachic obligation to feed her. Otherwise, he's gambling because there's no way to get that money back once you spend it. There's no teeth in, in halacha to pull that money back. So we therefore assume that if he's going to be feeding her, it's because he is obligated to. Vika da Amre, that it was the other way around. Amar mishma lo I haven't heard about this. Misvara isle says the opposite svaras, that kevan de lo kimle begava, because it's not a guarantee that you're going to get married, lo shadi zuzi bichti. And Amar the response back to him was, mishma lo maybe misvara leis, like kevan de yursa lo nichale de tisa, because He's not doing this out of obligation. He just doesn't want her to, to turn a corner and look less pretty. So he's feeding her, but he may not have an obligation. So the Gemara concludes here with a machlokas as to whether or not an arusa is obligated to feed his, an arus is obligated to feed his arusa. Eitzatova, if you're engaged, take out your credit card, take the girl to dinner, and get yourself above this machlokas. Because at the end of the day, we have to remember that what we're discussing in the Gemara, a lot of these cases seem very cold when you read them. We have to remember that these are technical, technical dinim. When you're in the realm of Ben Adam Lachavero, these are Mamanis shadows. But Ben Adam Lachavero, we always take the high road. We'll stop right here. Tomorrow we'll pick up with Simon, uh, two thirds of the way down, learning Daphne and Dalid. Wishing you all a beautiful night.